Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Dewish Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Chapter 10 Pursuit The guards spread out, banging on doors and searching houses. The Sultan's forces took general control with barked orders and marching boots. They moved through the streets, questioning and thoroughly searching anyone they found. The thief crept along the rooftops, moving from shadow to shadow as guards passed below before leaping across the gaps between buildings. For long minutes at a time, he waited motionless before creeping just a score of feet further, then freezing again as more noisy guards appeared. It was much later that he dropped down onto the roof of the assigned meeting place, a sigh, and exchanged thin smiles. It is way past midnight. Jum shrugged. I didn't have anything else to do. Besides, I thought you'd want your cloak. The thief slipped it over his shoulders and drew up the hood, a false consolation of secrecy. I appreciate the thought. June peered over the edge of the roof. Several soldiers were arguing and pointing in different directions. You've kicked over the bee's nest and stamped on it, haven't you? It was a setup. Either the guild set me up or they were fooled themselves. The target was the ambassador of Nineveh, probably the most awkward person I could have killed, given the political tensions. But you didn't know. I should have known. You heard me ask Simak the questions, and I naively took no for an answer. This is why I work alone. If you don't trust anyone, they can never let you down. Hey, I I brought your cloak, didn't I? The thief grinned and poked Jum in in the chest with a finger. Yeah, you did. Jum examined Menu's face, squinting first from one side, then the other. You don't look any different. Why should I? You just killed a man, didn't you? Not in a fight, or to save your life, but because you were paid. I've killed men before, and no doubt I'll do it again. And doesn't it bother you? Maybe the first time, or the second, but in the end it's just a job like the butcher slitting a calf's throat. Simak said to make it messy. Did you? Look, kid, people say a lot of things. You need to have your own rules for how you do things and stick to them. Me? I don't see any reason to make it any harder on the mark than it has to be. I don't care if the guy asked for it or is an innocent. 
I'm not doing this for pleasure or vengeance. It's just a job. The guy tonight? I took him out clean. He didn't even have time to cry out. Then he was dead. Sure, I messed up the body after to keep our client happy. But given what we know now, I'm not sure that even that was, wasn't a mistake. Jum tucked up his legs and hugged them to his chest. He stared blankly into the night. Will I be like you someday? You make your own choices, kid. Don't let people force you to take your path. Meet up with me in ten years and you can tell me your own answer to that question. June was quiet for a long time. Eventually, he sighed. So, ready to go? Go where? I can't get out with all these guards about. In addition, I liberated a few beauties from the ambassador that I'd rather keep my hands on if I can. I wouldn't stand up to a search very well, my tools aside. I can help. When I saw all those guards on the street, I didn't come alone. A friend is on his way. Leave your tools here. One of us can come back later to pick them up. It's not like this rooftop gets a lot of footfalls. As for your treasures, I'll hold them. They are looking for a man, not a boy. Jum held out cupped hands. The thief frowned at the boy and pursed his lips as he decided. He sighed and handed over the two rings to Jum. I'll keep these safe for you. Don't worry. He winked at Manu, who raised an eyebrow in return. Look across the square. The sewer entrance there. If we can dodge the guards and get down to the railway. What's a railway? Jum laughed. You are a country boy after all. Come on. You'll see soon enough. Jum waited until the guards moved on, then jumped from the low roof and ran for the sewer entrance. Manu waited for the small shadow to disappear into the darkness, checked each way down the street for patrols, then vaulted down. He took his first step, but torchlight rounded the corner. Halt! You there! A pair of ambassadorial guards approached, one with a lord halberd and the other with a sword and lantern. Manu turned and saw a patrol of soldiers approaching from behind. He faced the ambassadorial guards and smiled, showing them the palms of his empty hands. Good evening, my fine fellows. What seems to be the problem? The pantaloon guard with a sword waved Manu toward the wall. He put his lantern on the ground and sheathed his weapon as his companion kept the tip of his halberd within stabbing distance. Manu threw his cloak back from his shoulders and placed his hands on the wall. The patrol of soldiers drew to a stop and observed the arrest. What were you doing on that roof? The ambassadorial guard searched Manu's purse wrinkling his nose at the meagre collection of coins 
before tying it back in place. He patted Manu's clothing down and stood up with a sigh. Well? Manu coughed and looked at his feet. Well, if you must know, I was returning just now from visiting a young lady. Is that so? Well, why were you scurrying along rooftops instead of knocking on the front door like a decent citizen? Manu turned around with a lupine grin. I'm not sure the husband would give me a warm welcome as the lady does herself. The patrol of soldiers started laughing and after a moment scowling, the guards joined them. Well, if you don't even have a weapon, looks like you can go about your business. Manu nodded. Thank you. What is this all about? I don't think I've ever seen so many soldiers on the street at night. The smile slid off the face of the ambassadorial guardsman. There was a murder. How dreadful. Are we safe? Manu shivered, threw the cloak about him and hunched his shoulders. The guard patted Manu on the back. We'll catch the bastard. Never fear, little man. Still, you should head home and stay there for tonight. Maybe wait a day or two before your next midnight tryst, hmm? Manu's head bobbed furiously. Thank you, officer. Yes, I will. Thank you. The lantern was hoisted and the ambassadorial guards moved past the group of soldiers who resumed their own patrol. Manu stood quivering until they had passed from sight. Then he straightened his back and ran for the sewer entrance. Steps ran beneath the street level and by the bottom step, it was already damp enough for mosses and small ferns to be growing in the depths. An iron grate was bolted and locked over the opening, from which exuded the dripping dank air of the sewer. June was crouched in the darkest corner, but his smile was still visible. You think you can talk your way out of anything, don't you? I was taught that a silver tongue opens more doors than a picklock. He rattled the lock on the metal grill. Speaking of which, a padlock. Great. My tools are on the roof. Jum shooed him away. You aren't the only thief in this city, and this isn't much of a lock. How much would you spend to protect a sewer? He pulled out a pick, and with his ear pressed against the lock's body, he fiddled with it until it clicked open. June twisted the lock off and dropped it on the floor. He swung the grating open with a squeak, and then followed the steps further down into the dark. How can you see where you are going? Don't you need a torch? Manu's voice echoed behind him. I'm just following the wall. Then how do you know where to go? There is only one way to go. Now be quiet so we can hear properly. I've spent my life in these tunnels, and you learn one thing fast. Carrying a torch blinds you more than the darkness itself, 
and your prey to anyone hiding in the long shadows you cast. Only outsiders bring torches. Manu grunted. There is some sense to that. Yet I still find these tunnels strange and unfamiliar. I prefer to be outside and where I can see things coming. The stairs went down for some time, then levelled off. The ground was gritty and littered with small rubble that they needed to feel out with their feet before stepping over and proceeding. One hand on the wall. The air grew stale and foul for a stretch. Then the tunnel seemed to widen out. The brickwork changing for stonework, and the ground grew wet for the footsteps to flap and splash. There, Jum stopped, and the thief shuffled forward and bumped into him. What? Can't you see a glow up ahead? Yes. What does it mean? It means that we're almost there. Come on, let's go, Jum said. They walked quicker now, splashing through puddles as the light ahead of them grew. The tunnel opened out into a large chamber with a vaulted ceiling like that of the thieves' den. Broken crates, rotting splinters, home to tufts of ghostly mushroom and smashed barrels lay about the place. A set of stairs up, Manu presumed to another entrance like the one they descended from. But the most curious thing in the chamber was another tunnel leading off from it, with two iron rails, three foot apart, running down its centre. The rails terminated in the middle of the room to rest on a massive circular construction of wood, heavily reinforced with riveted iron bars. This is a railway? Jum nodded, a cheeky smile playing on his face. So what does it do? The thief scratched his chin. Do you push a trolley down it like a miner? Jum giggled. Close, but not quite. Sit down and rest a while. You'll find out soon enough. The thief settled cross-legged on the ground beside Jum and the rails glimmered in the light out into the tunnel until the darkness took them. I'll take those rings back now, Manu held out his hand. I don't suppose you'd say one of them was a fair price for me rescuing you? The thief raised an eyebrow at the dishevelled child. Rescue is a bit of a strong word. Guide is more like it. Still, you've been loyal, and I was meaning to send you off for new clothes and the like. Keep the emerald. That ruby is mine. If you're smart, you'll hide the stone somewhere safe. Somewhere only you can find it, and wait for a time you'll really need the money. You can pawn off the gold easily enough for a pouch of coins, and you won't stand the chance that someone recognises the ambassador's ring and traces it back to you, or me for that matter. Jum threw himself forward and hugged the thief, who puffed and began to blush. Hey, I don't need your fleas. The thief pushed back the beaming boy, who handed over the ruby ring 
then proceeded to examine the emerald against the lamplight, screwing up his face and sticking his tongue out. Do you think I could buy myself a sword for this? The thief sighed and covered his face with his hand. You could buy ten swords, stupid boy. I told you to put swords from your mind until you're old enough to swing one, and even then to think twice about it. People would have to respect me if I had a sword. Jum squeezed the ring in his palm. Swords don't breed respect. Swords breed fear. Being true to your word is how you earn respect from others, but more importantly, for yourself. You can respect your enemy, even if he acts against you, when he says he'll do something and sticks to it. If I had a sword, I'd stick it to him. The thief groaned. How old are you, kid? Sixteen in a few weeks. Manu laughed at him. In a few years, you mean? Really, what are you? Ten? Eleven? You've got the pluck of a sixteen-year-old, I'll give you that. Jum scowled at Manu and wrinkled his nose. I'm ten, but you can keep that to yourself. Something whistled far away down the tunnel and Jum stood up. Here it comes. The twinkling of a light appeared and the rails in the room vibrated with a faint singing ring. A grinding, chugging came down the tunnel. The whine of a millstone spinning too fast and out of control. The light grew larger and Manu saw a brass cauldron capped with a domed lid and supported on a wooden frame rolling towards them on iron-shod cartwheels that fitted the rails. He stepped back, reaching for the knife that was missing from his belt. There was a screeching, piercing wail of metal grinding against metal, and the room filled with steam, whistling from vents and undercarriage. The contraption came to a halt on the circular platform. Vashir climbed awkwardly down a short iron ladder bolted to the side of the vehicle. Old man! Manu grinned and ran over to Vashir and squeezed his shoulder. No time for that. The guards are starting to check the sewers, at least as far as they dare. You strong boys, put your back into it and help me get her turned round. He pushed a lever, mounted in the circular platform, and gears ground and protested, then clunked into a new position. Mano reached out to push the cauldron, but snapped his hands back as the heat seared through his gloves. Mind yourself, that's the boiler, where all the action happens. Shover from the tail end. Grumbling that a warning would have been nice, Manu put his shoulder against the corner of the carriage frame and pushed. It was heavy, but the platform was well articulated and the whole thing swung around easily. All aboard who's coming aboard. Vashir climbed up the ladder with difficulty. Behind the cauldron, he had a seat and a wooden plinth in front of it. 
The plinth housed a large glass dial, like a giant compass, with a single needle pointing a little to the right or straight up. He carefully inserted his broken hands into two receptacles in the plinth, reminding Manu of the brass construction gloves he'd seen in a clockwork shop. Come on, we've enough steam for the return journey. Then she'll need to be fired up again. Manu and June climbed onto the back of the carriage, which was flat and without fittings, save for iron rings that hung from the corners. The thieves sometimes need to transfer goods that can't be taken by the streets, June said, or stuff that doesn't want nosy attention on it. The thieves built this? Manu let out a low whistle. Vashir turned his head to them and spluttered indignantly. You think they built this? The rails have been here since the sewers were built, back when slaves used to push carts of rock along it. We don't have slaves down here, and I wasn't going to let a perfectly good set of rails rust away uselessly. I occasionally do favours for the King of Thieves, who was once good to me when I had no one. This is one of them, and this is... Hold tight! There was another terrible grinding of metal. As Vashir released the brakes and the carriage burst forward, and the grinding, chugging, thumping thunder enveloped them. Manu could feel the air streaming past his face as they tore into the dark, the illumination of the front lamp almost completely obscured by the cauldron of the front. The vibrations from the pistons and the gears shook the whole carriage, and Manu felt his teeth chattering and his fingers going numb from the buzzing. How fast are we going? He had to shout to be heard above the steaming engine. Faster than a horse at full gallop. I've never actually measured it. My concern is keeping the steam levels high enough to drive the engine, but below the stress point of the bolts on the boiler. He cackled maniacally to himself. Manu looked over to Jum, ghostly in the pale light. He tapped his forehead with one finger, then tilted his head at the old man and Jum nodded in agreement. See, we're already almost there. Time to decelerate. The old man fiddled inside his control box, and a huge puff of steam burst out from under the carriage. The rumbling of the gears slowed. The process was repeated twice more, each time reducing their speed. One final long tug on the pressure valve, and the old man vented the last of the pressure. The carriage rolled slowly forward under its own momentum until the brake was pulled and its screeching ushered their entrance into another vaulted chamber. They came to a halt on another circular platform and the old man locked off the brakes. Jumping down, Manu saw three other tunnels all equipped with rails and lining up with the circular platform. Another flight of stairs led up. How much of the city 
Does this network span? We don't know. We've only cleared what is useful to us. And don't get any clever ideas, boy. There is only one engine, and those controls are good for only one driver. The old man poked a crooked thumb at his chest. Manu ran his tongue across his teeth as he pondered the rails. Where to now? I'm going home. It's late and I'm tired. I expect you're heading back to the guild to hide out for a while. Good thing you have them to fall back on. Thanks, old man. Vashia waved them away, then clumped off up the stairs, wheezing and muttering to himself. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Dirush Pasiti and Victor Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.